Cool. Up to you, Jen. But speaking to this stuff. Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, through faith, in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> Great. So we're continuing our Transformed Life series. It's been a good series. We finished the devotional, which had come out daily for 50 days. Perhaps you heard uh, the audio or you read along in the book. And we're coming to the penultimate week now, which is called Gifted for Service. And I just want God to speak to you this morning. So I'm going to pray very briefly um, before we get into it. Father, again, we come before you. And we ask you to pour out your spirit to speak to us through your word again this morning, that we would be transformed, that we would be changed, that we would leave this place different to how we came in and inspired, influenced by your word and your spirit. Bless us, we pray. Amen. Amen. So who here likes a jigsaw puzzle? Anyone? Yeah, good. A few, a few of you. That's good. Well, it's an amazing concept, isn't it? A huge image fragmented, smashed and jumbled up just so it can be put back together again essentially a summary of the gospel. God's perfect picture in Eden, in the beginning of your Bible, in Genesis, is smashed up by Satan and sin fragmented only to be redeemed by God's only son, Jesus, through endurance, patience, perfection, power, and prayer as he died on the cross and then was resurrected. So next time one of your friends says, I'm doing a puzzle, say, it's a great picture of the gospel, let me tell you about it. Maybe, maybe you won't do that. <laughs> but you should have a piece of a puzzle in your hand, uh, in your pocket. Maybe you've got one on the door. And we're going to come back to this later on. Does anyone have any idea what this picture might be? Have a little glance at it. No? I've got lions on mine. <laughs> Safari Park? No. Well, 
that's really my first initial point, is that the piece you've got, it does fit somewhere, but it would probably take you a very long time to work out where it went with just the one piece. And it would take you even longer to try and work out what the picture was without finding all the other pieces. In fact, I reckon we probably wouldn't ever get it right if we tried to describe it. And I think we'd all agree that if you studied at it, studied at it, studied it, sorry, gazed it at it, analyzed it, it would only make sense when we all came together and handed our pieces in and tried to make the picture. Now, that picture that I've given you has got quite big pieces. I want to show you a puzzle that's got quite small pieces. Um, so I've got this one over here. Look. Oh. Don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it. Okay. So that picture, that is a puzzle, which you can come and look at later on if you want. And the pieces are about that big. And uh, I, I need to give credit here because Carrie and Zoe worked hard, so hard, to put this thousand-piece puzzle together of, well, well, we'll call him Aslan, of, of the lion. And they worked so hard. So give them a round of applause because that, that is a phenomenally hard work. <clears throat> but again, if, if you had a piece of this puzzle, and you, you, particularly that piece, it's black. <laughs> you, it would take a very long time for you to try and work out what the picture was. In fact, you'd never probably be able to do it, I would suggest. It wouldn't matter how long you stared at it. And so you've got to have the big picture. And the same is true with our lives. God has designed us, each of us and all of us, to be unique and beautiful and with a purpose. And when we looked at that passage just now, you might have noticed Paul said, we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's chapter 2, verse 10. And so it's only when we're together, we become a masterpiece in that way. As church's family, it's a masterpiece. And that's when the whole picture makes sense. And today is all about finding out where you fit in the picture, fulfilling your life purpose, our life purpose in Christ so that each of us may fulfill that chief end of man. And what do I mean by that? I mean to fulfill what is written in the Westminster Catechism. If you've ever read it, you know, some light reading. It says, uh, glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's by doing the things he's prepared for us to do, but first being in Christ, just being <laughs> in Christ. And so that's the main point, really. If you want to make sense of your life, find and fulfill your purpose you won't get the answer by just studying your own life. You won't get the answer by just studying it and looking at it in great detail. It only comes into focus when you get God's big purpose and God's big picture in the whole thing. And in Ephesians 1 to 2, Paul has already laid out God's eternal purpose to call the cosmos to himself and every person, a united people, into himself in Christ. And in our text today that Jen read, Paul starts by talking about his own purpose, his own individual purpose, and then he quickly returns to God's bigger purpose, the big picture, as we see in verse 10 and 11. It says that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ, our Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so the focal point of this verse is the church. Tim spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. And the plan is for the Lord to display his manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers, the world, the heavenly ones, the angels, and the worldly ones, both good and fallen. And that word manifold is significant. It means, 
It could be translated as many colored, like a huge, beautiful picture met with many, many colors in it. And it's by that he will display his glory through Jews and Gentiles alike, all tribes and nations and tongues brought together. If you've read Revelation chapter 7, you'll know it says there's a vast multitude at the end of history of every nation, tribe, and tongue coming together, this masterpiece of diversity and a massive multicolored wisdom of God. And that's the picture of the church that we need to have in mind and, and need to find our place in, find our purpose in. And so I'm just going to go through three truths about your life. And the first one is this, about your life purpose, that God has a part for you to play. Say part. Very good. Now, some of you may know that I was, when I was younger, I was in an amateur dramatics group in Catrum in the Miller Center. Uh, normally when I say Catrum, Becky Hunter goes, woo, because we both live in Catrum. Uh, she's not here, so I've done it for her. But I was part of this, <laughs> yeah, I was part of this uh, Miller Center in Catrum. And I started out in my career as an actor, as a shepherd in a nativity. I then, I then got demoted to being a rock in a summer production. Uh, in my golden teenage years, I was in Beauty and the Beast, and I was a table and the, and the lead actor sat on me, uh, and it was a privilege. And um, I had a part to play. That, that was the point. You may have thought, well, they probably could have done without the rock. They probably wouldn't have noticed one less shepherd. And, but the table, if he'd sat down and I wasn't there, he'd be on the floor. So therefore, I had that significant purpose in those. I had a part to play, and you have a part to play. And just like pieces of a puzzle have parts to play in making up the big picture, and thankfully... Zoe and Carrie had the patience to complete this picture of Aslan over there. Um, it's, it's important that you have them all, isn't it? Can you, can you imagine if, if they had got to the, like, the last 20 pieces and gone, we can't find them? Where are the last 20 pieces? And they've spent two and a half days, because I think it took you three days. It took them three days to make this puzzle. And imagine they'd spent two and three quarter days doing it, and then there were 15 pieces missing. That would have been not only distressing and upsetting, but would have ruined the illustration, but, <laughs> but it would have been painful. And I can't imagine if they'd got to the stage of not having the pieces that they would have gone, oh, well, never mind. We've got a nearly complete lion. Never mind. We'll just, we'll just leave it. No, they, they would have gone, we've got to call Quincy. We've got to find these last 15 pieces. We've got to do it. Otherwise, we're just going to melt down into, you know. They would have hunted. They would have gone after those pieces. And once again, just like God, he searches for us. He searches for those pieces. We were all a missing piece once, if you are in Christ. You were once a missing piece, lost, dead to sin. But God came and found us and rescued us because he wants people to join his church and be part of the big picture. He's got that manifold wisdom to display. And that's why it's so important that when someone is saved, and someone was saved recently into our church, in our church context, that they get saved into a family. It's so important that they get saved into the picture and the other pieces fit around them. That's why that's so important that we make sure we care and help and pour ourselves into new pieces of the puzzle, as, as Watchman Nee might have said. And so if you've been saved, you don't just make up the numbers and you just don't just fill a gap. You are designed. You are unique. You are displaying his glory. You really matter to God. You truly are significant, and you really matter to the church as well. You make a difference by obeying Jesus, fitting into that place, and doing what honors him most. 
But we mustn't fall into a trap here. We mustn't fall into the trap of thinking, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And nothing can be, because nothing can be added to our salvation through works. Unlike our current culture and in the world where value is measured by, contribu- uh, sorry, by, by production and what you can contribute, what you can give, that's kind of what you do is what you are kind of attitude. In Christ, it's the opposite. We, we are in a unique position and have a unique purpose in God's extended kingdom. We're actually the, the fruit, if you like, isn't always uh, tangible. It isn't always able, you're, you aren't able to sort of present what, what you've achieved. Because it's more subtle than that, and it is unique, uh, again, in this world, because it's not really of this world, God's kingdom. And so I just want to tell you a story that kind of demonstrates that. I was um, lately with some new ground leaders in Sevenoaks just last Thursday, and uh, Dale gathers all these leaders from around the kind of southeast, and every now and again we all come together and share stories, and we were talking about church planting, and, uh, and one, one chap had come along to say, uh, tell his story about how he's a church planter in Rotterdam. And to, to work out whether this was God and whether they should move to Rotterdam, they prayed a lot, which you can probably appreciate. And they asked other people to pray. And they asked a specific person called uh, Sarah B. Uh, to pray. And she's a, a Christian lady, but actually uh, bedbound, medically unwell, and you know, can't, can't do anything particularly practical. But they asked her to pray. And she wrote them a card, and she said, I... I see you coming through jungle, hacking through jungle, and getting to a high, a high point, a mountain, and then having a 360 view. And uh, they went off, and then Phil took this card and sort of, sort of he said himself, like he kind of took it for granted. He didn't, he didn't really dig deep into it or pray into it massively. He just took it with him, and they went to Rotterdam to have a look around on a kind of recon uh, trip. And they went to this, this building that had a restaurant at the top where the, the restaurant went around, I think, and they could walk around the whole thing and get a 360 view. And while they were in the restaurant, they went, wow, you can get a 360 view from up here. And then they realized, oh, this is, this is what the, the card was all about, what Sarah B was talking about. And then down they came from the, uh, from the restaurant, and they started asking God, come on then, God, what is, is this really you? Is this you speaking? And they came around the corner to the, to the canal, and there were some two boats moored there uh, at the side, and two, one of the boats to their amazement, said Sarah B on the side, and the one next to it said Wisdom. (laughs) And so they were bowled over by this amazing act of God, the way that God revealed what he wanted them to do. And now, praise God, they're part of Newground. They've planted the church in Rotterdam. There's 30 people there gathering already, so they're extending the kingdom. What grace. What amazing words from God there through other people. And my point here is that Sarah B didn't lift a finger. She prayed. She was faithful. She obeyed God. She wrote down what he, she heard him say, gave it to them, and wow, look, a church is planted in Rotterdam. The kingdom is extended in intangible ways, and God's amazing like that. And so even if you are in Sarah B's position, you, uh, you still have a purpose. You're still significant. You can still impact the kingdom. It's not all about what we can see and do in front of us. So what grace that is, and and that moves us on to this concept that the gift of salvation is a gift of grace, but also the gift of purpose is a gift of grace as well. In today's passage, you might have heard it read, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. He's talking to the church. And then next, he talks about it in verse 7. He says, I became a servant of this gospel 
by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. See, Paul knew that his salvation was a gift and his calling as an apostle was also a grace gift. And so he goes on in chapter 4 to highlight that what was true for him is also true for any Christ follower. He says, to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And so the question is, if God's got a purpose for you and for me and has uniquely gifted us to fulfill his purpose, that purpose, how do we discover what it is? Well, that first one's already sort of been illustrated by revelation. When God speaks to us, and this is what happened to Paul, this is kind of what happened to Phil and his family who moved to Rotterdam. And I actually also remember in my life the moment God spoke to me about leaving my previous job to come and work for the church. It was a, it was a moment where he spoke. It came by revelation. And, and once again in Ephesians, you might have read it, where he says, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I, I would just encourage you, go back to that verse and pray it back to God. Pray it for a whole week. See what happens. I've, that's what I've been trying to do with that lately. I need, we need revelation. We need God to supernaturally do it. And, and I've been trying to explain it to my kids, and it's actually really kind of hard. But it's, it's really important at the same time that we seek revelation from God. Another way we can discover our purpose is by consultation, uh, and often we need a bit of help, uh, and that's, again, where the other pieces of the puzzle kind of interconnect around us, because we need other people to bounce ideas off and, and find out where we best fit. We need each other. We really do. You really do need, we really do need each other to help us. We need trusted friends who can, can tell us where our blind spots are, and I'm very grateful for my friends that, that do this. Um, and and we, we, we've all seen people who, who haven't had that person in their life who can, who can speak in and has permission to sort of speak in because sometimes they appear on Britain's Got Talent. And you, and, you think, and you think to yourself, you just wish your heart aches for that person who didn't have a friend who should have said, Jeff, bagpipes, really not your thing. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Don't do it on national television. Don't do it anytime. You wish they had a friend like that because someone didn't speak the truth into their life. By, and we have the benefit of, of following the pathway of grace and truth. We don't hold off on truth in these friendships, in our church family. We're working hard to, to, to present grace and truth to one another. And I'm also very grateful for this because thankfully I didn't go on Britain's Got Talent, but early in my time learning to lead worship here, a very loving friend uh, who, who's with us still, and I'm, I love them for this, I started to sing Crown Him, if you know that song. And they, they just gently came up the front and said, do you think that this song is really suited for your voice? <laughs> and I went, no, <laughs> probably not. But they had the grace to ask me a question, not come up to me and go, That's, that doesn't suit your voice, that song. They asked me a question, and questions are God's gift of grace to us. Do you know that? Ask people questions. You don't have to go up to someone and say, you shouldn't do that, or that doesn't sound great. You can just say, does that, does that really suit your voice? And I, I love that person. I didn't, I didn't kick off or storm out or anything like that. I, uh, I was really grateful for them. And so that's consultation. God reveals what we, are, what we can do and what we are to get involved with. And the last one is, is this, experimentation. So this can be the most helpful for people, learning by doing and having a go. And Again, we've got some wonderful examples of this. James has trained a team here to run the PA, 
who we need to give thanks to. So give them a round of applause. Well done, PA team, Judy, Ashley, and others. And he started with, he started with people who just wanted to give it a go. They didn't, know the, they didn't know their XLR from the jack to jack, from their amplifier to the... But some of them might have. But then other, <laughs> others were like, well, we don't know whether... But they gave it a go. And now we have a fully functioning PA desk and team. And they're, they're solid. And we're very grateful for that, that and them. And time doesn't matter when it comes to finding your place. And, and also, it can change over time with your, your life stage and circumstances. And so it's a lifelong mission finding out what God's purpose is for you in a moment in time. And he has a part for you to play. It's not necessarily a shepherd, a rock, or a table, but it is a part for you to play in his grand big picture. So that's the first one. Second one, uh, God has a people for you to reach. Um, He's placed each and every one of us in a sphere of influence. There are people who only know you, who don't know anyone else in this church, who may not know any other Christian, and God has placed them next to you or you next to them so that you might bless them and reach them with the good news about Jesus Christ. And the reality is, if we, never, we, we will never find that purpose that we're, we're seeking after if we just live for ourselves. If we just do what is best for us all the time and what makes me happy and what makes me content, then actually we're not going after that purpose that God has called us to because we're called to live beyond ourselves, to pour ourselves out for other people so that we would see other lives transformed. And, and this can be as simple as making your colleague a cup of tea. I don't know if you've ever done that, but if you've made them a tea or a coffee, sometimes you bring people a tea, and I remember this when I worked in an office, and they just start talking. But all you did was bring the tea, <laughs> and then they just start telling you about their weekend or what, what's going on in their life. And you don't have to have all the answers, but you've brought them something which has blessed them. And we're pouring ourselves out. We're taking time out of our life to serve other people. And again, back to the Apostle Paul. He was really clear about the people that God had called him to reach. He knew he was called to reach Gentiles, non-Jews. And that's most of us here. His clarity is startling. He says in verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. He's called by Jesus. He's in prison for Jesus. And he's sharing Jesus' plan for the Gentiles with those he's in jail around. And in verses 3 to 6, then we see that the Gentiles also share together in God's promise. And then in verse 8, he summarizes his mission. He says, he's going to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And once again, it's the same for you and me. First, we've got a mission as individuals. Those in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our social sphere, those that are now our neighbors who we know the names of due to the pandemic. That's the, that's the funny thing about it. It's, it's actually made us get to know some people that live around us and increase our sphere of influence. And if you look at your job as just a job at this moment, I want to help you rethink that because your job is not just a job. It's a place where you represent Christ. It's a place where you are day after day, seven, eight hours a day maybe, and you're in that place deliberately. And it's, it's sometimes tough if the work is slow. I understand that. Um, but it is important that we hold that perspective. We're called to bless. And you can use the word bless as an acronym to remember what we're called to do in all those spheres. We are to begin in prayer, praying for your neighbors. We, we've done this at home. We pray for our neighbors. We've got an A3 sheet. We wrote salvation in the middle. And then we just wrote the names of people around the edge of that word in a big circle. And we pray for them. That's where we start. 
Next, if we get into a conversation, we listen. We learn people's stories. We ask questions. We draw out more than a one-word answer. Uh, providing it's after 9 a.m., <laughs> people are often happy to, to give more than a one-word answer. And if you get past listening and sharing stories, you, you might have the opportunity to invite them to eat with you. It might be the lunch hour at school, in the canteen, or it might be at the workplace again. And it makes a huge difference. Eating with people transforms a relationship. I don't know if you've noticed this. We have alpha meals. Uh, we have meals at home. We have meals three times a day, most of us, praise God. And they're all opportunities to, to invite people in to share with you, and it changes the relationship. Eating somehow together draws one another out, so I'd encourage you to do that. We had a lady who lived downstairs from us that when we moved in, we invited her and all the other ladies and people around the, in the block that we live in, the block of flats, and she said, I've lived here 14 years, and no one has ever invited me into their flat for a meal. There might be another person like that who lives just near you. So again, I encourage you, have a pray, have a think. Who could you invite round for a meal? It doesn't have to be a posh meal. Just be a jack of potato and, and, and some, I don't know, whatever else, veg or whatever. Just get them round and have some food. The next one, serve. Um, we've talked about that a bit already, putting others before ourselves and sharing our story. And that means sharing your own story. It also means, it, firstly, it means knowing your story. Knowing what you were like before Christ was in your life. Knowing perhaps... When roughly you, you, were, you became in Christ, you put your faith in him, and then knowing what you've been like since will help you. We'll get more into that in January. We're going to talk some more. Next, uh, we've been called into a community uh, to, to undertake this mission again together. And so part of that mission is meeting people's material needs. So we run Food Bank at King's. We run Debt Connect as well. At, and they're both doing great work. Deb's leading Food Bank and Neil's leading Debt Connect. And uh, it's great because this practical service is really, really significant. It puts us in front of people again. And what we need to do in those contexts, in the serving the community context, is be ready to witness once again, to have our story on the tip of our tongue. It's part of our purpose. And we've had some great conversations. Deb and the team, she's been doing a great job. They've had some great conversations with people who've come to Food Bank just shattered, just tired from life, just under the strain. And we've listened and we've bought out a bit of cake, and we've shared our story and heard their story and shared ours with them. It's been a real opportunity to bless. And so they're the people we're called to reach. And the first thing to do to find out who you're called to reach is to ask God. Ask for that revelation once again, so that he would bring people of peace across your path, people who are ready to have some good news, people who are ready to hear about a righteous and perfect leader in Jesus Christ, a righteous and perfect king. So let me encourage you, there's, that's number two. There's a people for us to reach. And lastly, God's got a place for you to serve. And we're going to come back to our jigsaw at this point uh, because each piece makes up the whole. But if it's going to fit, we've got to find all the other pieces that go around it. Carrie and Zoe will tell you about this. It's not so easy as just going, oh, that bit goes there, that bit goes there. It took them a long time to try all the other pieces around it. And as we've discussed in this series, we are citizens of God's kingdom. We fit in the puzzle. We're members of his family. We fit in the puzzle. We're living stones in God's temple. We fit in the puzzle. And another picture of the church that, that sort of speaks of the same thing is, is this in Ephesians 3.6, that we are members together of one body. Members together. Once again, empathizing, em, no, emphasizing the importance of each of us. Each of us, introvert, extrovert, big, small, young, old, being together, a body together, so it can flourish as one. And 
if you think some more about this, uh, it it's kind of can make you laugh. Because imagine one day in your physical body that your, kid, your kidneys just turned around and went, nope, we're done. We're packing up. We're going home. We're, we're, done. we're not doing any more filtering. Thank you very much. Well, the rest of your body would have gone, <gasps> no, we need, the lungs can't, can't substitute the kidneys. The, the toes cannot do anything about it. The ears can't get involved. They're, they're up here. So if your kidney said that, the rest of your body would suffer. And the same is true with church. If we, if we opt out of being part of the church family, or we stop, or we give up, or we leave, or we you know, shut down in any way, it's hugely significant because we are members of one body. And we're going to talk more about that in the autumn. So this picture of members of one body, is, it, Paul talks about it a lot, and uh, he picks up on it again in chapter 4. He says this about us growing strong and healthy as a body. He says, speaking the truth in love, like someone did to me when I tried to sing that song, we will all grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It, remembers, it helps us remember that being together and working together is for God's glory. It's for something more significant than ourselves. And our motivation for this, in case you needed to search for it, I doubt any of you do, is our Heavenly Father, His love for us, His grace towards us. We, we do everything we do out of thankfulness to Him and love and grace. Uh, and, and we show our love back to Him. And it's wonderful to think that He doesn't just say, go on then, get on with it. He, he partners with us. He sent his Holy Spirit so we could partner with him in doing the things he's prepared for us to do. And again, we received this last week. We acknowledged this through, with Terry's help last week. The Spirit came, and there were people who stood, stood out here, and, and they were just receiving again from God, partnering with him again in, and responding to that invitation. So there we go. It's great. It's great to be part of his family. And what can creep in at this point uh, and at other points in time, is, is people starting to think that's not true. People can start to think, perhaps, that they're insignificant or not needed. And, and whenever someone might say that to me or suggest that to me, I always remember C.S. Lewis, a wonderful um, man, theologian, fantastic writings, if you've ever read any of them. And he spoke um, about having a very small group of friends who, when they were together, had very deep relationships. And they they were together, they, they would have a fantastic time. But then in their older age, one of the friends sadly died. And C.S. Lewis noted that, that when they did regather again without this person, actually it was very, very different because the person that had sadly died wasn't just bringing themselves to the table, as it were. That person drew out certain aspects and characteristics in the other people in the group that when, when they weren't there, those aspects and characteristics weren't drawn out. And so C.S. Lewis says it's more than what you bring and contribute. It's more than what you do. It's actually your very presence that matters. Your very presence makes such a difference. So when you're with us here on a Sunday, and we, we do this every Sunday, it's significant. It's important because you simply being here and among us draws things out of me and others that wouldn't be drawn out if you were not here. And that's the point C.S. Lewis is trying to make. You have a place in God's kingdom, in his big picture, in his family, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And you benefit others simply by being here. His manifold, multicolored display of God's wisdom and grace. 
And so there we have it, a classic uh, 3P alliteration, 0.7 for you to talk about over your lunch, whatever that's going to be. You can talk about the part we have to play. We can talk about the people God's given us to reach and the place we have to serve and be, I might add, as I alluded to through that C.S. Lewis story. Being here is so important. And that's everyone, from the youngest to the oldest. And so now I just want you to take out your little puzzle piece again. Put your little puzzle piece still. I'm really, you know, this is going to distress some people, but this puzzle is not coming back together. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but I want you to hold on to this puzzle piece. I want you to keep it. And, and if you like, you could go home and write three Ps on there. Part, people, place. Or you could write the date, or you could write your name, or, or you could write a scripture. I just want you to keep it. And I know not everyone would want to or ever, but it'll just remind you and your family and your context and your, you know, it'll remind you that you have a part to play. I want it to remind you that you, you have a place in God's family, that you have a people to reach. And um, who knows, maybe we'll do this series again in 10 years' time and some of you will still have the peace. <laughs> some of you that aren't ruthless like me and will just be like, <laughs> Uh, if you haven't got the rest of the pieces. But it's more significant than that. It's really important that we get this. I'm going to hold on to mine and write on the back of it. All right, so we're, uh, we're coming to the, the end now, so I just want you to pray uh, with me, if you will. Um, and then perhaps we'll sing one last song together and then, and then conclude. Yeah. Our Father, we do thank you again. <laughs> thank you for your blessing upon us as a church. I thank you that you're <sighs> transforming lives. By your grace, by your mercy, you've brought us to know you. You've brought us to acknowledge our sin. You've brought us to a point where we recognize we can't save ourselves. And even more than that, you've saved us to a great calling, a great place, a great position where we can live out our lives, enjoying you and giving glory to you forever. And I would pray that as we hold on to these pieces, we would continue to remember the big picture, the wonderful big picture of God's kingdom that we would seek you until the end of our days and that you would bless us and help us share it with other people. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.